Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is Escaping the Fall, written by Jasmine Arch and narrated by Josh Curran. Eileen? I check my watch. Nate? Despite the evening chill, sweat beads my forehead. The wind has died down, and the trees' whispers fall silent. Even the crickets stop singing. There's only the rasping of my breath, and the frantic pounding of my pulse. Something scrapes my hand and I gasp, but it's just a branch. I wipe my clammy palms on my jeans. Perhaps I should go after them, but... Every tree looks the same. Come hiking with us, they said. Get reacquainted with nature. It'll be fun, they said. Eyes closed. I forced myself to count to ten. Think. What would Nate and Eileen do? They'd know where they were, for starters. Biting my lip, I pull out my phone and open the GPS app. But there's no signal. Great. A glorified flashlight with a short battery life. Pulling my key from my pocket, I score an X into one of the trunks before I start walking. Leaves rustle as I carve into the bark. Nate! When the moon comes out, the silence thickens. The clumsy scuff of my boots and my laboured breathing are the only sounds I can hear. Even they are muted, as if my head's underwater. 
Up ahead lies a clearing. Perhaps the air will be less cloying. Perhaps Nate and Eileen are there waiting for me and chuckling at their stupid joke. A hint of red up ahead makes my pulse race. It's the colour of Nate's shirt. Any minute now, I'll see a smirking face appear from behind a tree. As I move forward, I stumble and rest my hand against a trunk. I swallow, trying to bring moisture to my parched mouth and trace the mark I left at sunset with the tip of a finger. Thick sap drips cling to my skin, leaving sticky crimson stains. I've been walking in circles. A whimper escapes my cracked lips. Better face it. This can't be one of their practical jokes. Something's wrong. I have to find them. Leaning against the tree, I let myself slide down. Just a rest. Close my eyes for ten minutes and then I'll walk on. The trunk behind me is softer than I expected. Almost made to fit the curve of my back and neck. I sigh in relief. Something squeezes me from all sides. I squirm to break free, but the pressure increases, and I can't breathe, and I jolt awake, gulping down lungfuls of damp, congealed air. A gnarled root pins my ankle to the mossy forest floor. How I manage to wedge my foot under there in my sleep is beyond me. I try to pull myself free, but in the end, my ankle and foot scraped raw. I have to give up. Breath wheezing, I struggle to stem the rising panic. Nate wouldn't break a sweat over this, of course. He'd MacGyver himself out of here with a pocket knife and a toothpick. The pocket knife! I have one too, at the bottom of my backpack. Maybe I can cut through the root with the serrated blade. I saw at the wood, but before I get beyond a shallow scratch, the blade snaps. In the end, I manage to dig myself out with a broken knife. My ankle is sore, but will still bear my weight. I pick up my backpack and carefully walk to the centre of the clearing, where the shadows of the trees can't crowd out the sky. Another flash of too bright red in the dark. Nate? Is that you? I hold my breath as I draw closer. Branches snag in my hair and clothes. By the time I get there, whatever I saw is gone. Joke's over. You've had your chance to laugh at my incompetence. Ha ha. The further I go, the more branches crowd the path. Eileen? I stoop, hands braced on my thighs, and try to catch my breath as another flash of red shoots past. It's not Nate. He wouldn't do this to me. My legs tremble. Still no phone signal. Maybe I should just wait for dawn. Nate and Eileen could be in trouble, but running circles in the dark won't help anyone, including me. For the second time that night, I sit down, back against the tree, and close my eyes. As my eyes drift shut, something tickles the back of my hand. I shrug it off and snuggle deeper into the little nook of roots and trunk. Another graze against my ankle. Damn mosquitoes are everywhere. Muttering under my breath. I sit up and reach for my backpack. Got some repellent in here, somewhere. As I rifle through my belongings, the tip of a branch arcs over my knee. It moves so slowly it's impossible to catch in action, but a moment ago it wasn't anywhere near my leg. 
On the other side, a thin, gnarled root mimics its shape. As the gap between root and branch narrows, I catch another flash of red. What? When I turn to look, I scramble to my hands and knees, snapping the new connection between the root and branch, grab my backpack, and crawl away. All around me, the bark of the tree has inched forward, creating a hollow outline of my body. It strains forward, leaning towards me as if battered by a gale. Except there's no wind, only still air. All around me, the trees lean in, reaching for me with trembling branches. My pulse pounds, an erratic drumbeat in the silence. My water bottle lies between the roots molding to my form, at the foot of the tree that tried to... Tried to what? Trapped me? Its movements are sluggish, like treacle. I should grab the bottle and go. I can, if my feet will move. The thought of going near one of those things. Nate! Eileen! I turn and turn, looking for a gap in the trees. The longer I stand there, the more their branches weave together. Panic constricts my throat and my stomach heaves. I have to move, run before they fence me in. Beyond the trees, something snaps and I gasp, suppressing a scream. I can do this, lift a foot and place it in front of the other. Hunger pangs gnaw at my stomach. If the trees don't get me soon, my lack of supplies or navigational skills will do the job for them. Maybe it'll be easy. Just lean into a trunk and drink in their silence. Maybe it'll be like sleeping. The air is thicker still. My eyelids grow heavy and I take a step. Slow now. I could rest my eyes just for a few seconds. But something flutters at the edge of my vision. Fast and erratic. Its color too vibrant. Crimson. Like Nate. Like Nate's shirt. I shake off the fatigue that drags at my limbs and edge closer. A frayed cuff has snagged on a branch, but the shirt remains mostly intact. At the base of a trunk, between two thick roots, the tip of a hiking boot slowly disappears beneath rough bark. My gut roils, contracting with so much force I double over. I gag, I heave, but my empty stomach brings up only bile. My nose stings with the acrid bite of it as I rest on hands and knees. If Nate and Eileen, both experts at this woodmanship crap, couldn't make it past these things, what chance do I have? My skin tightens as if the trees already have me. I roll myself into a ball, arms wrapped around my knees. Above me, the branches weave themselves into a dense web. Itsy bitsy spider went out the water spell. My voice, cracked and raw, fights the thick air. Fights and loses. I giggle. Nate and Eileen would say I've gone mad. That'd probably be right. They'd also say this isn't like me, giving up at the first setback, or the tenth for that matter. Around me, the trees close their net as I sit up, reaching for Nate's shirt. The one he's had for as long as I can remember. The fabric warms my skin as I bury my face in it and breathe in his scent. 
mint and tangy cigarette smoke. My fingers find a heavy lump in the shirt's pocket. Nate's battered old Zippo and a pack of smokes. For ages, I just sit there, the lighter a cold, gleaming weight in my palm when a thin, tendril-like branch brushes my face. I grit my teeth and flick the lighter open. I'll burn my way free if I have to. I hold it under the branch and the tree withdraws, creaking and groaning in protest. My ankle buckles as I push myself to my feet, but I manage to stay upright and stumble forward. I hold the flame under the web of branches until the trees shriek, but their barrier holds. A sooty scorch mark appears, but nothing changes. If anything, the trees grow more restless, closing in on me and driving me to the centre of their trap. I shuffle back, but my foot catches on a root. Arms flailing, I topple and hit the ground with a bone-jarring thud that knocks the lighter from my hand. Blood, metallic and bitter, fills my mouth. Air leaves my lungs in a stretched-out, endless moan. Any second now, I'll run out of air, but breathing in seems impossible. When I finally manage to stop exhaling, I roll over, wheezing and sputtering as pain flares through my tongue where I bit it. I have to find the Zippo, a meagre shield from the relentless trees, but all I have... My fingertips graze the fabric of my backpack, filled with useless crap. Empty water bottles, the deodorant spray that gave Nate another reason to laugh in my face, and the broken pocket knife. I scrabble across the ground on all fours, dragging my pack along. The moonlight glints off something at the base of a tree. The lighter, it lies gleaming in the nook of a root. As I watch, tree bark creeps over the metal. I run forward and grab the lighter, along with the shirt. It's all I have left of Nate. I turn my backpack upside down and shake it out. There has to be something I can use. Maybe I can wrap the shirt around a sturdy branch and make a torch. Nate would rather I make it out of here than preserve the shirt. And with a bigger flame, maybe I can... The deodorant can lands at my feet with a dull thunk. I stare at it, the angles of the lighter pressing into my palm. I pick up the can and flick open the zipper. The first time I point the nozzle at the lighter, the burst of flame singes my arm. The smell of burnt hair fills the air and I bite back a curse. But the trees notice. They shudder as I advance, brandishing the lighter and deodorant like a lunatic. I try again, keeping my hand further from the flame. A rustle passes through the canopy as I aim the next burst at a section of interlaced branches. With a sigh, the trees drop their enclosure, pulling back with a haste I didn't think possible. Curling my fist around the zippo, I walk forward. Around me, the trees tremble. From time to time, a stray branch reaches for me, but it always retreats the moment I raise my improvised flamethrower. Dawn is a bleak, feeble thing, barely able to lift the oppressive atmosphere as I walk and walk and walk. The deodorant and Nate's zippo held out in front of me like a talisman to keep the trees at bay. After an age, I come across a road, cracked and crumbling asphalt, undermined by thick and twisting roots. 
Nate said to regroup at the pit stop gas station if we got separated. I could call for help. Get them to send out search parties or something. My throat burns as I walk, sticking to the center of the road. As far away as possible from the crowding branches, more and more of the leaves are turning in a riot of shades from bright orange and crimson to deep tones of rusty brown. But at this point, autumn leaves in early summer are the thing that worries me least of all. Up ahead, a moss-covered road sign stands in the shadows, a tendril curling around one corner. Holding my breath, I edge close enough to scrape off the layer of green muck and lichen. Fuel. Three kilometers. Thank fuck. Finally. When another branch brushes my shoulder, I jump back, reaching for the lighter and deodorant. As I shake the can, my pulse jumps. Almost empty. I run as the trees shiver and rustle. They know. They're reaching for me. My lungs burn and my head swims. The road opens out, blurring with the gas station's wide gravel apron and dirty concrete. Trees have invaded everywhere, breaking up the asphalt, twining themselves around the buildings. The little shop doesn't have a window left. Thick branches wrap around the empty frames. The car sits where Eileen parked it, two tires punctured by roots. Thick vines wrap around the chassis. The sign above the pump is overgrown, but still legible. Welcome to the pit stop, your one-stop wilderness survival shop. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Escaping the Fall was written by Jasmine Arch, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horrors, with music by Daniel Birch and Tom Robson. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. The sound effect provided by freesound.org. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading, and to Ben Errington for weaving our social media spirits into an intergalactic content tapestry. Nice one, Ben. Jasmine Arch is a writer, poet, narrator, podcaster, and all-round chaos for brains. She lives in the nook of Belgian countryside with two horses, four dogs, and a husband who knows better than to distract her when she's writing. Her work has appeared or is forthcoming in The Other Stories, NewMyths.com, and Hybrid Fiction, among others. Find out more about her and her work at jasminearch.com. Josh Curran is a narrator and writer. He's narrated many episodes of The Other Stories over the show's lifetime. He's also the creator of the horror audio drama podcast, Miscreation. You can follow him on Twitter at at jcurranwriter. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell out of it. So, until next time. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project 
there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.